Hey, welcome back to the Ascent Church Podcast. We have a great episode for you. So let's get to it. All right, welcome to Ascent. Uh, In your seat, you should have a a sign-up for small groups on there, and that was actually a promotion for the, uh, it's called Alpha, and that's the group we're going to be doing. So there's two of them uh, that you can sign up for. We'd love for you to sign up. One's at uh, my house, and then I'll be a part of the other one for the beginning of it, Uh, and it'll be at uh, Grandma Wendy's house, who I just tortured and made read all of those uh, names from the first century. Let's give her another hand. That's... I feel like I should be in trouble for doing that to my grandma, but... uh, so we'd love for you to sign up if that's something you're interested in, uh, and even, even if it's not, sign up for it, because uh, community is good for you, and uh, we want to get as many people as we can into these groups, and I understand that uh, some of you live far away, and uh, it's not really reasonable, uh, but if you're around and you can make it, I would encourage you to sign up for one of these groups, uh, and then also, there's a student group that's meeting on Wednesday, so if you have a, a student from 6th up to 12th grade that would like to be a part of it, uh, they can sign up there, you can sign them up, and uh, you can do the Wednesday group and then just send your kids away. And it's like a date night, and it'd be great for you, and uh, you'll, you'll enjoy it. So sign up for small groups is basically the point of what I am saying to you guys. Now, uh, as we jump into the message, uh, we are just going to celebrate today our two-year anniversary, which is kind of amazing to me when I think about it. And uh, I'm going to do something a little bit unique uh, this Sunday. Uh, normally what I like to do is I pick a book of the Bible, and we spend a long time preaching through it. Uh, and we're going to get back to that uh, next week as uh, we're going to look at Second John and then Third John and then uh, we're going to look at the book of Haggai. And I, I got a lot of plans. I just I mapped out the preaching calendar for the next year. Uh, but today I want to do something a little bit different. I want to do just kind of a message in which I honor people who have helped us become what Ascent is today. People who have been on the foundation. Uh, it's almost like the first five years of a church uh, is is like wet pavement where people are putting their hands in and those hands are going to be there forever. Many of you guys have your hands in the pavement of ascent. Like the ascent will never be the same because you are here. Uh, people might not know your name 20 years from now, but they will experience the effects of you being a part of this church family. Uh, we're all here together on the foundation floor of ascent. And what I wanted to look at was specifically people you guys might not know, because I could mention hundreds of people that you guys do know that have had an impact. But I want to mention some people who maybe are behind the scenes that I know of that I want to honor uh, as a pastor. And for you, as you begin to think about your life, my prayer is that you would begin to think about people who you can honor for where you are in your life today. And my prayer would be that you would then reach out to them after this message whether it's a grandpa, a grandma, mom, dad, friend, a mentor you had, reach out to them and just say, hey, I want to thank you for the investment you had in my life. Uh, Because I don't think we do that often enough. And a lot of us, we wait until the funeral, and that's too late. Right? Like, I'm glad we get to say the good things while people are here. But I I want the people I love to know the good things about them, why they are here, why they can can hear about what they have done. And uh, so that's what we're going to do. And that's why I had... Uh, Miss Wendy, read Romans chapter 16. Uh, you know, Paul, uh, we often think of his, his letters as these theological books, but really they were letters. He would send a letter to people, and you see that at the end of the text, because he's, he's talking about who he's writing it to, and at the end of the letter he says all these weird names, you know, platypus, eucalyptus, and, you know, all just weird things, right? And uh, the reason he's doing that is he's honoring people. He's saying, thank you for what you've done. And think about how cool it would be. To have your name written in the Bible, you know, like the Apostle Paul talks this beautiful gospel. Martin Luther calls it the greatest letter ever. And then at the end of it, there's your name, John or Daryl, you know, like that's pretty cool. 
And I think we should all be people who, after we do these big things and we say, look how awesome this is, we say, now I want to thank those who have been a part of it. So I thought of uh, four or five people, six people, set, I don't know. We're, <laughs> I'm going to go as far as I can down my list. I just got a couple scribble notes, and, uh, and I want to talk about the people who have their hands in a sin. Now, before I pray and then jump in, uh, I do want to remind you all that starting tomorrow, we're starting a seven-day soul fast. A fast is when I abstain from something uh, so that I can fill that time with prayer. And we do it every January where we do 21 days of prayer and fasting where you choose something and you fast from it and then we pray every day. We normally don't do anything in the fall. But this year has just been super unique and I felt led by the Spirit to do something uh, that we've never done before, uh, which is we're going to take a soul fast, which is very specific. And what I'm asking you to abstain from with me is media. I know this is going to be... going to fry some of your guys' brain circuits. This means like no Fox News, no CNN News. This means no Facebook and all the other social medias that you kids are on nowadays that I can't keep up with. And you say, Blake, well, then what will I do with my time? And that's when I say to you, yes, you will pray and you will read your Bible like good children and just watch. I'm only asking you to do it seven days. I think some of you are going to be like, you know what? I think I should do this for the rest of my life because people are nuts and they're driving me nuts. Amen. So that starts tomorrow. So get all your Facebook in tonight. You know, um, just, just look at it all, like all the pictures, post everything you want to post, and then just give me seven days and you can go back to your life the way that it was. All right. So let me pray for us uh, and then we'll jump into this message of honoring some people. Father, I am blown away by what you have done here. Uh, Lord, if you'd asked me what I expected Ascent to be like, Two years ago or even three years ago when it was just kind of a, a thought in our hearts. Um, Lord, I, I would have I probably pictured something completely different. And yet, God, what you have led us to is so much better. God, I, I know how hard it has been for us to get to this point, And yet I wouldn't trade it for anything. Jesus, I pray that everybody could experience the blessing that. I've got to experience and the blessing that other people have got to experience who stepped out in faith and trusted you. And God, we've seen you show up. And God, we know you're going to show up over and over and over again in the future. And Lord willing, we'll be celebrating our 20th and our 30th and our 40th and our 50th birthday as a church family. But God, I pray that uh, for the people in this room, whatever you're calling them to, I pray that they would have the same faith to be able to step out and trust you. God, I pray as I talk about people who I want to honor, who have made a scent what it is today. God, I pray that you would stir in their hearts people who have made them who they are. And God, that they would reach out to them and encourage them and thank them for the impact they've had in their life. Jesus, it's in your name I pray. Amen. All right, so the first guy, uh, his name is Stephen, and uh, you guys have heard a lot about Pastor Stephen. I talk about him all the time because he had a huge impact on my life. Uh, Stephen uh, was a pastor in Oklahoma City. He recently stepped away and he's doing mission work. I don't even know what the guy does. I saw he was like in Netherlands on Facebook. Uh, and so he's, he's just, he's, he's doing a whole bunch of stuff for the kingdom of God. But Stephen was a pastor in Oklahoma City. And after I went through uh, training, church plant boot camp, uh, they sent me with Stephen and they said, Stephen, try to fix this kid with ADHD so that he can go out and plant a church. And so I spent a year shadowing Stephen. And uh, being a part of Stephen's church, Elevate, was really, truly transformational for the way that I see church and the way that I interact with you as a pastor. In fact, like every time I don't know what to do as a pastor, I think not what would Jesus do. I think what would Stephen do in this situation? Uh, Because he was the first 
And I've been a part of a lot of great churches, but he was the first what I would call life-giving pastor and life-giving church that I was a part of. Like the people showed up and they actually liked being together. Like they, they didn't just say, hey, we're a church family. They actually acted like a church family. That has impacted my view of Ascent more than you'll ever know. And in fact, if you come to Ascent and you're like, man, this place, is, is, it really seems like they're a family. They really love each other. That is because we've been intentional about creating a culture of family. And I learned that from Pastor Stephen. Now, another thing that I learned from Pastor Stephen uh, is that the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity. Now, I, I knew that theologically, but I grew up as a Baptist kid. Please don't hold that against me. Uh, and uh, in, in the Baptist tradition, the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Bible. <laughs> like we, we preach the Bible, and we talk about God, and we talk about Jesus, but the Holy Spirit, that's for weird people. You know, that's like the guys in the back waving their flags and blowing kazookas, and we don't really know what to do with those people. Uh, and uh, it's okay, you can laugh. Uh, like, honestly, I think in, in, in a lot of the Baptist churches I was a part of, if somebody were to raise their hand during worship, the worship leader would have probably stopped strumming and been like, yeah, you got a question? You need to use the bathroom or something? Uh, you know, we would lay hands on people, but it wasn't to bless them. It was completely different connotation. Uh, I'm talking about fighting. Get your minds out of the gutter. I saw some of you. Goodness gracious. This church. Uh <laughs> Uh, and, so, and so Stephen taught me that there's actually a, a part of the, the Trinity that is super impactful to understanding who God is. Like I remember uh, coming to Stephen's house one day because they didn't have offices. They were a church plant that was portable for eight years. Uh, so two years isn't that bad. Uh, and uh, Stephen had – he wasn't like there when I got there. He was back in his office and he came out finally and uh, he said, sorry, I, I, was, I lost track of time. I've been praying for the last two hours. <laughs> You've been doing what for the last two hours? Like, how do people do that? You know, I can, I can read the Bible, I can study, but praying for two hours. And that was what Stephen did. And he, he taught me, he taught me that the Holy Spirit is important. And so I've tried, I've tried from my Baptist kid in, uh, background to bring a little bit of the Holy Spirit. I like to call ourselves Pentecostals with a seatbelt on. That's, that's what I want to keep, got to keep it secure. But we're going we're gonna to be a church that prays. We're going to be a church that worships. I want us to be a church that loves Jesus and loves like Jesus. But the love Jesus part is really, really important, and we often leave that out. And uh, be honest, some of us, we come in here, and it's like we're at a funeral every week. We gotta, <laughs> some of you got to up it a little bit. You can move more than your lips while you're singing, and it, and it probably won't kill you. Uh, and then just really, really practically with Stephen, and this part probably means, uh, means the most to me, is Stephen is the one who I feel like has kept me going, and a lot of times when I didn't want to go. Uh, Mike Tyson has this quote. He says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and that's so true, right? Like if you've ever started something new, whether it be a, a business or a family, a marriage, you know, you, you start out with a kid or anything. You start anything new, you've got all these ideas about what it's going to be like. You know, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be beautiful. Little girls grow up fantasizing about their wedding and what it's going to be like, fantasizing about being a mother. And boys grow up with a completely different set of fantasies. And then you get married, and it's, it's a little bit different than what you think. The things don't go according to plan. You, know, you have a kid, and you think, it's going to be awesome, and then the kid starts back-talking you around 13, and you're like, what is this thing? Can I put it back or take it? You know, like, where do we return this? Because it's just not going according to the plan. And Ascent had a lot of that. Uh, we, we, Taylor and I had uh, you know, just things that went on that you know, relationally hurt us really badly that we weren't expecting, 
we had a lot of just like practical things go wrong with the scent. Like we, we had planned a marketing budget to send out mailers to everybody in Woodward. Uh, and then the, the, they're like in Wisconsin somewhere now because the, the UPS people lost our mailers. So I don't know. It's like people in Wisconsin are getting invited to a church in Woodward, Oklahoma. <laughs> It's really not all that effective, you know. So things like that were starting to go wrong. And then there was this thing called 2020. I don't know if you guys remember it. Our first full year as a church, there was a pandemic where we weren't allowed to meet for four months. And uh, as a church plant, uh, we, especially back then, we really relied on outside support to keep us alive because we're a baby. And uh, when the pandemic hit, a lot of the churches and a lot of the organizations had to pull back their support. And so here I am, like got a six-month-old church. We're losing support. We're not able to meet as a people. Taylor and I had to go a couple months without even taking a salary. And I began to wonder, like, is this what we're supposed to do? Like, maybe, you know, maybe God doesn't want us to be a church plan. I had people around here who were saying to me, you know, like, maybe we ought to think of an exit strategy or, or some way to get out of this. It's, it's no shame that this is the way that it's going. I remember talking to Pastor Stephen, and he acted like I was crazy. I said, what? He said, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. He said, look, Blake, and this has stuck with me. He said, if, if, if you want to grow weeds, that happens overnight. But it takes time to grow oak trees. And that spoke to me. <laughs> like, I can grow weeds overnight. If I, if I want a, a big church, pop-up church, or, what, you know, whatever, whatever it is, like, then, yeah, when the pandemic hits, it's time to quit. But, but Stephen said, that's not what we're in. We're in the oak tree building business. And so what you're going to do is you're going to take this time and you're going to strengthen and you're going to come together and you're going to grow. And man, has that been true? Like during the worst season, I feel like we grew closer as a church. We grew smaller, but we grew closer as a church. And I really feel like God has put us in a place now where we're building the foundation for what can come next. Like it wouldn't be doing any good to have 300 people who have the wrong vision. It does a lot better to have 80 or 90 people who are on the same mission because now we can in unity go forward and get this done. So I want to honor Pastor Stephen. I think that's, he's probably the, the biggest impact. Uh, number two, second person I want to honor, it's actually uh, two people. It's a guy named Chris Forbes and Jimmy Kinnaird. Uh, and really the Oklahoma Baptist as a whole, they, they took me in. When I thought about planning a church, I called them and they said, uh, yeah, we'll help you out. And I don't know. I went to this huge like church planning. I told you it was like a boot camp. I'm not kidding you. It was terrifying. Uh, like they, they put you in, it's like three days and they put you in all these weird situations. They ask you about your church planning plan. They ask you about your theology. And then they, they like, they interrogate you. And remember this pastor from Tulsa was really mean to me. Uh, like he's asking me all these questions. Like, why do you want to plan a church? It's like, I love Jesus. How do you know you love Jesus? Oh, do I love Jesus? I, I thought I did. And, uh, and so then at the end of this thing, it was like, you know, you either get a, a red light, yellow light or green light. As far as like you can green lights plan a church, yellow light is, uh, you know, maybe one day. Red light is, <laughs> dude, find something else. Uh, it's not your gifting. Uh, and so I felt pretty confident I wasn't going to get a red light. But I was certain I was going to get a yellow light just because I, I was like, man, I'm, I'm like red lights here. I'm just a little skosh above that. <laughs> Definitely going to be in the yellow light thing. Uh, and I went in there and they said, yeah, we give you the green light. And I was like, what? You give me the green light? Uh, and some of you are thinking the same thing. They give him the green light? They must have been desperate. Uh, and uh, honestly, what, what the biggest impact that these guys had on me was that they supported me wherever I wanted to plant a church, which was really amazing if you think about it. Because like, I, I knew I was called to plant a church, but I didn't specifically know where. I didn't feel like God had told me where. And uh, so they said, anywhere in Oklahoma, anywhere outside of Oklahoma, you want to plant a church. 
Uh, but they talked uh, a lot about this area of Oklahoma. And they really expanded my vision for what it could be. Because to be honest with you guys, and this is really arrogant uh, but like, and prideful, but I thought, you know what, Woodward's too small for me. You know, I want to you know, I, I be a pastor of a big city. Um, yeah, right, like I'm going to go in and change Miami or something. But that was kind of my, my, my heart at the time was like, I want to go to a big city where people don't know the name of Jesus. Everybody knows Jesus and Woodward. At least that's what I thought. And uh, so we actually, Taylor and I actually went and we looked at Miami. And uh, I remember, you know, looking around Miami and thinking, well, this is crazy. It's a huge mission field. Literally people here who don't know the name of Jesus. Like you walk up to them on the street and say, do you know who Jesus is? And they would say, who's that? Like they don't know. And I thought that was really cool. But it was on that trip that I feel like on the way home, God definitely wrestled my heart to the ground about why Woodward was the place that I needed to be. Why Northwest Oklahoma was the place I needed to be. And that was because here I know the faces and I know the names of people who are far from God. I know people, personally know people who they're wrecking their life. And if they knew Jesus, they wouldn't be. I know people who need to experience salvation, find peace, no purpose, and live fulfilled. And I think the reason God broke my heart for this place was not because he wanted me to plant a church somewhere else and then send somebody, but because he wanted me to come plant the church here. And so I had kind of resigned myself to, well, this is going to be kind of a small deal. I would really lowered my vision. And uh, Jimmy and Chris talked a lot about the hidden harvest, which is this area. They said, but you don't have to just look at Woodward. Look at the whole area. There, there is an absence of life-giving churches in so many communities. In fact, some of you, you drove 30 to 45 minutes to get here today to come to this church that is life-giving. And so at that time, our vision really expanded to be a church that would not be a, like a, a mega church in one place, but that we would be a church in various places. I've told, if you've ever went through Starting Point, you've heard me say, I would much rather ascent be uh, a church of five congregations that has 100 people than one church of 500. I'm not trying to build six flags over Jesus be fun uh, but that's not what we're doing and uh, it's been really cool to watch God kind of work that vision out because uh, especially this past year I was like you know what forget that just scrap it let's just try to survive in one place and just forget that you know the six flags over Jesus sounds awesome let's just just try to aim for that and uh, and, and yet God has already been kind of working out this uh, this idea and this vision in our heart that people in these communities need to be able to serve uh, in their communities. They need to be able to love and, uh, and serve the community and, and worship Jesus in their communities. That the same place you work on Monday is the place you gather to worship on Sunday. Um, this is kind of the idea behind it. And uh, we have had a lot of people come from the, the Fargo Gage Shattuck area, kind of in that general area. God just keeps sending people from there. And then recently, like a couple weeks ago, uh, I met with a Hispanic pastor of a church in Fargo. And uh, the, the building is, is given to them by the association. Uh, the Baptist Association allows them to meet. And uh, he is interested in partnering with us. And so I'm, this is kind of the first time I'm announcing it. We're really figuring a lot of things out. But come November, our plan is to start an evening service in Fargo, which is truly amazing. Because we're going to do it in a building. Yes, you can clap for that. I'll give you something else to clap for. Uh, it's, it's free. Like, what's free in this world? Yes, clap for that. If you saw our budget, you would be clapping so much harder. Uh, 
Because it is a miracle. I could never pay to build a building. But here we have this opportunity to partner with another church, a Hispanic church, which is a huge mission uh, field in this area. And we're, we're going to be able to start a second service out there. And I don't know what will happen. I mean, God might send a whole bunch of people and it works. Or, you know, it might be February and everybody's like, Blake, this was a really bad idea. And that's okay, too. But I know we're going we're gonna to be faithful. We're going to trust what God has called us to do. But it would have never happened if it wasn't for Chris Forbes and Jimmy Kinnaird believing in me and helping me expand my vision for what this church could be and what it could do. All right, so those are the first two, Stephen, uh, Chris, and Jimmy. Uh, and then uh, the next two are really personal to me. Uh, the third one is, is my grandpa, uh, who I lost this year uh, in March. My grandpa, when I told you earlier that I saw faces of people, his face was always the first face that I saw. Uh, my grandpa was a little rough around the edges, uh, if, you, if you ever knew him. I, I don't know if he could go more than five or six sentences without saying a cuss word. Uh, it just, honestly, it just like flowed out of him. Uh, and, you know, he, he had a sense of humor that wasn't, it, it didn't fit in with most church people. You know, like my grandpa would look at me and he would say, Blake, you know what I like about you? And I'd say, what, grandpa? He'd say, not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I left out an explicitive, even. <laughs> this, that, so that was his sense of humor. And he used to always talk about like, you know, I hate going to churches where I feel uncomfortable. People look at me or people think bad about me or I can't be myself. Or, uh, the thing he really hated was hypocrites. You know, he, he'd see somebody he worked with and they acted one way on Sunday and then he'd see them on Monday and they'd act a completely different way. And I, and I always thought, man, I wish there was a place my grandpa could feel comfortable. I wish there was a place my grandpa could come, be a part of a community that would welcome him and that would love him. And uh, not saying that other churches don't do that because they do. There's many great churches. But I knew Woodward and I knew Northwest Oklahoma didn't need another church. Like we've got Mexican churches and uh, Mexican churches. We've got Mexican restaurants. We do have a couple of Mexican churches, but Mexican restaurants and, and, uh, and Walmart. You know, like we have that covered and then we have churches, right? So we don't need another church to be added into the mix. But what we did need was a different kind of church for a different kind of person, for people like my grandpa. And... Uh, I, I think about the legacy my grandpa has left on this church, and I look at this room, and there's a lot of you who would have been really good friends with my grandpa. That we have, we've actually, we've done what we wanted to do. But we've made a church, we've made a church family where people feel comfortable to come as they are. And that's always our heart, and that'll always be our vision. And uh, I, I remember I was uh, at, a, at another church on staff, and um, I, I don't believe the guy doing this had bad intent, but I remember my little brother came to church one Sunday and I, I'd been praying for him for a really long time to come. And so he showed up and I was just thrilled that he showed up. Like it shocked me when I saw my brother come in and he was wearing a ball cap. And uh, this gentleman came over to me and he said, Blake, you need to go tell that guy to take the, take his hat off in church. And you go, and you go, go over there tell him, take it off. It's disrespectful to the building. And again, I understand the heart behind it, but in my mind, I was thinking, no, like, I don't care if he comes in wearing a banana suit, you know, I'm glad that he is here. And when we planted a scent, that, that is who we are. I don't care how you come. As long as you're wearing clothes, please. <laughs> you come in without clothes, we'll give you clothes. We got shirts and stuff. We want you here to come as you are. I thought about my grandpa a lot. And cool, it was kind of a cool story. And um, when I preached his funeral, uh, I, I shared his life story and how that related to the gospel of Jesus. And uh, I heard, heard a lot of great things, and the coolest thing, though, was there, there was a, a kid in uh, Sharon who gave his life to Jesus Christ through my grandpa's story. Called his pastor that evening and talked to him, uh, and had 
made the decision to give his life to Jesus. And I thought, wow, my grandpa is not a preacher. He'd have laughed if I told him he was going to lead somebody to Christ. And yet he lived a life in which that did happen. And that is pretty spectacular to me, and it's pretty darn cool. And his legacy will go on through this church as long as I'm the pastor here. We will always be a place where guys like Harvey Dunlap fit right in, can come in here, can sit down. They don't have to be cleaned up first. They can come be a part of this family. Because there's not a single one of us that is perfect. All right. Number four. This will probably be the last one. I'm running out of time. It's, it's another two-in-one. I just put my dad. Uh, like a lot of you, I, I had two dads. Like um, my, my, So my mom got remarried when I was two years old. Uh, so I, I always called him dad. And then I had my dad. And so I really confused people because my biological dad died when I was 16, which <laughs> freaks a lot of people out when I say my dad died. And then like 10 minutes later, I'm like, hey, there's my dad. They're <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you know? Uh, no, different dad. Uh, so really both of them have had an impact. My, my stepdad, the dad who um, you know, I lived with and raised me, uh, ha- has the impact on me of uh, the, the idea of excellence, I really feel like. So you guys make fun of me sometimes because I want to make sure all the chairs are straight in the line and you know, we, ha- we have signage that's pretty. I try to do things well. Uh, and I think a lot of that comes from my dad because he just would not quit. It was so annoying as a kid. Like we would be changing a tire or working on something and like it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. I see a lot of this in my friend Brightly Goodwin, by the way. It reminds me of my dad all the time because like there's something that's broken. And most normal people are like, you know what? Forget it. We're going to go buy a new thing. That was not Kevin Farley still to this day is not. It's no, we're going to stay out here until three in the morning if that's what it takes to get this thing fixed. Uh, or, you know, like, I don't know, maybe reading the instructions would help also. Like, I don't know. But, so uh, I, I really feel like that was instilled into me at a, at a pretty young age. That if you're going to do it, you better do it right. And so a lot of that of around ascent here uh, kind of has his touch on that. Uh, but my, my other dad, my biological father, uh, really struggled a lot throughout his life. And uh, he struggled with uh, addiction. And he struggled with um, a, a lot of just kind of painful wounds that he was never really able to heal. And my dad went to a lot of different churches. He was a part of a, a lot of different communities. And there was times in which he would find a little bit of freedom from things. Uh, and then there would be times where he wouldn't. And uh, as, as I thought about Ascent, I thought, man, I, I want us to be a church that doesn't just have converts, but is a church that has disciples who follow Jesus into life. That's part of the reason why our church's name is Ascent. Because we, we want to be a place that takes people to a higher journey. Like, you know, there's people who are like, yeah, I know Jesus, but, but there's got to be more. And I would say there is more. That there's this journey you can go on. You can experience salvation, yes. But there's so much more to the gospel. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life abundant. That you can find peace, you can know purpose, and you can live fulfilled. And I I thought about that a lot. I thought about how a a lot of uh, my time growing up was all about, you know, the gospel was, hey, let's get somebody to raise their hand so they don't burn in hell forever. It's like, okay. But does the gospel actually affect my life? Like, I, I can't stop drinking, or I can't stop looking at this, or I can't stop doing this. Does the gospel help with that, or is it, is it just for when I die? Like, is the gospel, hey, Blake, sorry, you're going you're gonna to be stuck in chains for the rest of your life, but when you die, you get to go to heaven with Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> or is there something more? And as I read the pages of Jesus, Jesus seems awfully more concerned with this life than he does the next one. Like Jesus, as you read his words, he's like, just trust me. Eternally, your eternal life, I got that. Trust me now, though. I'm the bread of life that you can eat of now. 
that if you trust me, you trust what I say, there can be freedom for you now. I've come so that you might have life and life abundantly. Or in Matthew 11, at the end of the chapter, Jesus says, take my yoke, which is take my work. Take, take, take on my load because it is light and it is easy. There's a way to life in which life doesn't have to be difficult, that we can actually find freedom. It's not easy to get to the freedom, but it's there. There's peace that can be found in Jesus. And my heart for this church is that we'd be a place where people could go on that journey. That's, I, I'm, I'm not super comfortable with even at the end of these services saying, raise your hand if you want to believe in Jesus. Because I think some of you might think that that's the finish line. That's not the finish line. That's not the finish line. Having faith in Jesus is the starting point. It's like from here, now we get to experience abundant life. It's, it's, I, I, yes, heaven and hell, those things matter. They're important. But right now, some people are living hell. Like some of you, you go home and you live hell. And what I'm telling you is Jesus says, my kingdom is here. He says to his disciples, before this generation passes, my kingdom will come in power. Which means the kingdom's in power now, friends. And we can begin to experience that. So those are the, the, the four people that have had a huge impact on a sin. Um, I said four people, and then I really gave you like eight people. That's definitely the preacher in me. But I, I, I want you guys to know that uh, truly the journey is just beginning. Uh, like I, I feel excited to be on the foundation of something uh, that God is doing. I feel honestly really inadequate. Oftentimes uh, I hear the voice in my own head, which says, why are you doing this? You know, like, who are you to be standing up there speaking? Who are you to be leading this church? And uh, I, I just feel so humbled and honored that I get to be a part of it. And one day I know, like, probably 20, 25 years. I don't know how long. I'm pretty young. Uh, a while in the future, somebody who is better than me is going to come along, and I cannot wait to hand it over to them because I believe that this is going to go on beyond all of us in this room. Like, I truly believe God is doing a work in this place that will last, that will impact your grandkids and your great-grandkids. That's my prayer. And I think it's such a privilege, and I hope you do too, that we get to be on the starting ground of it. And uh, so I just want to give you three ways as we close. Molly, you can go ahead and come up and uh, everybody else. I just want to give you three ways that you can help as we move forward. Number one is give. Um, So I told you uh, we lost outside support during COVID. Well, as a church grows up, you you start losing it naturally because it's just like children. Like you you help the, the baby a lot and then you try to help it less and less and less and less so they can be their own adult. Well, the same is true for churches. Organizations and other churches, they give money to churches for about three years and then they really start tapering it off. Why? Well, because they don't want to support, they don't want to enable us to keep going if we can't be our own congregation. So they, they take that money and they give it to a new church plant, which is what they should do. But that means we've got to step up and begin to kind of fund ourselves. And so I would encourage some of you to, to take the faith step of giving. And it is a faith step. To give is huge and you have to trust God to be able to do it. And uh, I've, I've never stood up here with a thermometer saying, you got to give so we can live. Uh, and I, I hope I don't have to. Please don't make me turn into a car salesman. Uh, don't want to do it. That was a joke. You guys are nervous. You're like, I'm holding my wallet. He's not taking my wallet. <laughs> There's no offering at the end of this service. We've never taken an offering. We never have. I'm not saying we never will, but we never have. It's always been out of the generosity of your heart as you worship Jesus, as you obey Jesus. We have offering in the back and you put your offering in. I've always felt like that was between you and God and that I am handling God's money as a pastor. And our leaders of the church are handling God's money. And we take that very, very seriously. But in uh, every other seat, there is something called Team 60. 
which is a step towards tithing, which is a discipline that the Bible gives. I don't believe it's a command. I believe it's a discipline. It's good for you, in other words. Jesus wants you to do it because it's good for you, which is to give 10% of your money, the first 10%, to the work of God. Team 60 is, uh, is, is kind of a step towards that, and it's you just simply committing, I'm going to give $60 a week to the work of Jesus through ascent. And here's the thing. After three months, if you come back to me and you say, Blake, it didn't work. I don't like it. I wish I wouldn't have supported it. Uh, I wouldn't have supported God's work. I wish I'd have bought more Netflix or whatever you spend your money on. Uh, I'll give it all back to you. Every single penny. Uh, I'll give it back to you because I believe in it that much. I have faith for you. So fill it out if you want to be a part of that. We, we, we would, it would help us greatly if uh, you guys uh, sign up to give and you step that, take that step of faith. But you guys are a generous church, so I have no fears there. Number two is you can pray. We need prayer. I need wisdom. I told you guys I feel inadequate. Sometimes I'm like, why did he, what? Like I couldn't even graduate high, or college. You know, I made it a semester and I was like, these guys are way too smart for me. And now like God puts me in these situations where I have to come up with plans and strategies and execute them. And, and I, I need prayer. I need wisdom. So pray for me. Pray for our church. And then the last one is go. Uh, so I told you about the, the second service in Fargo. Some of you who live in that area, God might be calling you to become a part of what might be the next Ascent congregation. And so I'll have more details on that. We'll have meetings on that. Uh, but I would love for you to, to come and, and say, Blake, I'm going to go all in on this. I want to see this work. I want to reach people in the community that I live in. And some of you in Woodward, you're going to have to step up because we have a lot of people here who maybe are going to go over there that won't be here anymore. And that means, guess what? You're the one who's stepping up and doing this and inviting your friends. And by God's grace, we fill this place back up again because we believe everybody ought to experience salvation, find peace, no purpose, and live fulfilled. And that only happens through Jesus. I'm going to invite my wife up as we close. Taylor, would you come up? She hates this. I just give me like one Sunday a year. She's thank you. Uh, <laughs> you guys should have seen the look she gave me. It was priceless. <laughs> I mentioned a lot of people that I want to honor. Uh, this woman right here is, uh, she's got her handprint all over the foundation of this church and I wouldn't be here without her. I'm, I'm trying not to cry at this point because uh, we've been through so much together as we plant this church. And you guys see me because I stand up here and I talk and uh, I, I get to be called the leader. But so much of what happens behind the scenes that keeps us going, that keeps this church going is because of this woman right here. And uh, I just I love you and I love your gift set. I love the way that God has put us together and uh, just want to honor her in this moment. So I'm going to ask. Yes. I'm going to ask Taylor to to close us in prayer, and then Molly will will stand and sing after that. Dear Heavenly Father, um, I just thank you so much for this church family who um, has just supported Blake and I um, through this church planning journey. I just thank you so much for um, just for the faithfulness that you've shown us through um, all these people who um, have came and We've seen people give their lives to Christ. Um, we've seen people's lives change, God, and I just, I thank you so much for that. And um, I thank you for my husband for being um, the fearless leader who uh, comes up here and does the things that I don't want to do. And um, he's just so brave. And I just thank you for every leader in this church. Um, I think of one specific person right now, Lindsay. I just thank you so much, Lindsay, for all the support that you've shown us and Rick and um, just all these other people, God, who have um, been so generous to us. And um, 
Again, I just thank you for this church family night. I pray that we um, can go out and live the things that uh, Blake has told us uh, today and the things that he preaches over and over again, Lord. I just pray that we um, can love like you and can show people just the love that you've shown us, God, and I just thank you so much. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Ascent Church podcast. You can check in with us on social media at My Ascent Church. New episodes each week. Thanks. Thanks.